And welcome back to another Indominus Crusaders podcast. Um, this week we are back to um, back to our Black Library Book Club. Um, I've got Sam back on the channel, and we are talking Saturnine. Sam, hello, how are you doing? Pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I'm. I'm. I. I don't know. We. Ha I haven't really got any interfacing with with pe the people that listen to the show yet. Um, hopefully, if you are listening, please do start um, letting us know what you think, um, your thoughts. But we did. We did a the siege of terror so far um last podcast hopefully people listen to that I, I have numbers to say that some people have been clicking onto it so hopefully people listen to it and and, and likes it but um we're on to book four in the series and i've literally just finished it about 10 minutes ago and you finished it a few weeks ago now yeah um yeah. saturnine by dan abner um story of kind of the saturnine gate it's really a story of kind of four big or three big sorry uh breakout battles going on and and dan abner in his foreword afterwards talks about it's kind of about truths and um and sort of people using truths liberally to kind of get shit done but um i'm gonna go out and say this straight away i like we were just talking just before we hit record i didn't want to get i kind of got three quarters of the way through it and we started talking and i was like oh, really it's really good but i didn't want to get ahead of myself and be like it's amazing and proper fanboy because i'm a big fan of dan and I'm a big fan of his work and I'm a big fan of 40k but this is I mean for me it's it's up there it's one I, I absolutely adored that that book I enjoyed it mm. every time I picked it up there wasn't a dull moment wasn't a bit I didn't like um and we'll dig into that now so what were your first impressions of the book um well Christ like very much the same as you Adam like I would I would say it is one of my favorites so far um I, I really enjoyed the first one because I do like me a bit of space combat um, but yeah, it's re it's really picking up now. I mean, you've got so many characters from so many books, sort of condensed into the same place, right? So mm. a lot of vendettas, a lot of you know old blood views and stuff are coming to the fore. Um, and then it's also, I mean, you've got so many different plot lines as well in this one, like you know Dawn and his um, his trouble, uh, Grammaticus, who's now wandering around the place. Oh man, um, he's he's probably my favorite char character in 30k um lore. He's just he's just a dude. Like Dan's written him in this way that he's fucking cool, but he's also like a bit of a a bit almost I don't know, he's he's just got that really lovely um protagonist kind of like quick quick one-liners, bit bit of a nerd, bit bit awkward, but but really cool at the same time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of an anti-hero, isn't there? In, yeah, in a world yeah, where there yeah, are yeah. true heroes, um, you know what it's like in the grim dark. Everything, there's, everything's grey. There's no black or white. Um, For but yeah, sure. Yeah, be like you know how he eventually um, gets into the palace and goes about his new plan. Um, but I'm sure we can get to that bit. 
Yeah, um, definitely. Um, and we should say, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, I mean, we're going to give our, some first impressions, which we're doing now. We'll get into meaty stuff. If you haven't read the book, we're going to talk about it. So there are going to be spoilers. So um, if you are not on the Siege of Terror, don't listen to the rest of this. We've just given you one big spoiler. If, if you know, if you've read, you know, things like Legion, um, you'll know who John Grammaticus is and you might not have realized that he's popped up again, especially if you didn't listen to our last podcast. So go and read books before listening to this podcast. Um, otherwise, we're going to talk about it and you're going to get spoilers. Yeah, Sorry, I thought, I thought 50, I'd just put that in because people get annoyed if you don't yeah. give people warnings. I mean, you can cram them in 50-odd books. It's yeah. not like anyone's working these days. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? You just sat at home playing, like painting, painting models. May as well get get on Audible, download some books. So, I wanted to quickly start at the at the end, and um, and what I wanted to start with, I kind of just wanted to, like I said, I'm a big Dan Abnett fan, and I just wanted to kind of give a bit of a a, a golf clap. To Dan Abner because I, I genuinely think this book is astounding. For, and I think if you're, I mean, I'm pretty forgetful, and that, like you said, there's a lot of books, so there are some Easter eggs and some nods and and some incredible thread work of storylines that sort of go unnoticed in this book. And it's really, I, I recommend, even if you kind of have not, if you're, you know, a uh, a remembrancer of the best of them and you under you you know all of the lore of 40 and 30k and you kind of you see all the easter eggs still have a little read of it because i think dan's explanation of kind of what he did and why he did it is wicked at the end of the book but he talks about the her- heresy was sort of this i won't i won't kind of read it verbatim but effectively it you know there's so much lore and it was only ever kind of to help the game to be like oh ultramarines yeah they had a primark once you know he's gone but this is why we paint them blue and this is why they are the way they are um and you know the harris the horus heresy was to kind of give more flavor on the tabletop and then it ended up becoming more than that with visions heresy and then they had to kind of piece all this stuff together and as he says most of it wasn't coherent most of it was just to kind of make the gun the game more more fun so the fact that he's been able to really link all of that stuff in here in really cool little ways of like, you know, the, the Imperial guard myth and the way that he used old, old person to kind of like even show that myths within myths. I mean, it's just, it's just so well done. And then one of the other things I really struggle with sometimes with books is that you get, um, you kind of get one style, but Dan writes like, different sieges and different styles, different action styles, different thematical styles. Like, I mean, he's just, this book literally has it all. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on kind of the style and the way he's written it and the way he's started to really tie lots of storylines together? Yeah. Well, it, it ultimately it works. I mean, it, I didn't, finish the book feeling, you know, perturbed or confused or anything, you, you sort of know very much where this, well, of course you know where it's going, but like, um, there's different battlefronts, um, and everything across the various, um, uh, gates, I guess, mm. walls, gates. Um, yeah. And, and they're, they're all very different in the way they're functioning. Cause it's sort of like a bait and switch sort of thing, isn't it? Mm. Like, um, you sort of, I mean, the whole th- the core of the book is, laying traps, I guess. Yeah. For someone who, for Alperti, who I imagine 
well, Dawn sort of alludes that the he doesn't know about it, but I don't know. It's Pert. He sort of knows everything, right? Yeah, well, there's that, that's kind of the beginning of the book. It's basically without them being able to see each other, these two generals that know the other one is kind of pulling the strings of the other oh. army, and they've always been fierce rivals. And Perserabe has become very... Um, He's very internalized in his own head. He questions himself a lot now. He's, you know, now he's he's kind of getting some some kind of chaos taint on him. He's become even more um, paranoid and almost a bit schizophrenic. He sort of argues with himself and and questions himself a lot. But is this kind of master tactician of of kind of breaking into into sieges, uh, into um, defenses? And then you've got the other side, the ultimate defense master who, you know, they talk about, he's always bested him. He's always been kind of been one step ahead of Perturabo and you see it from his side and he's just having discussions with like the Sigilite and, and, and the other Primarchs. And it's just, uh, I really liked the way that Dan set that up. It was kind of this really light, nice back and forth of, of them, of almost seeing their homework, like watching that, looking at their workings out about why, how the battle's going to unfold. Yeah. They're very much two sides of the, same coin really mm. which I know, I know a lot of the Primarchs do that to each other you know a lot of them are reflections of each other yeah um, but the actual um, title of the books um, Saturnine is that how you spell it? yeah Sat- uh, Sat- Saturnine Saturnine I think yeah it says in, in the dictionary it, cl- it says that's having to have a gloomy temperament or appearance which I think is um, sort of like a core tenement of Perturabo mm. gloomy, grave, somber, dour, morose, glum Phlegmatic. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's not. It hurts, right? <laughs> yeah, he's not. Um, he's not winning any awards for like positive mindset. Um, he's he's definitely not your positive mindset coach. He is. Uh, no, he's not getting CEO CEO of the year awards at all. I mean, no. He killed what a tenth of his men when he rocked up to the men in the first place. Yeah, he sort yeah. of. I mean, and that's the other thing is you sort of see that Dawn is begrudgingly having to like now. It's it's end game for him. It's last ditch trying to win this battle because that's all that matters. And he's and he's begrudgingly putting people in harm's way now because he has to. And you sort of see that conflict within him. Yeah, I mean it's all about buying the time, isn't yeah. it, for the um, the loyalist reinforcements to turn up. Um, and then and yeah, and then conversely, like you say, the mirror of that is Mortarian, who's like. I don't care about anyone else. I just want to win. I'm going to sacrifice whoever I have to, to win. And they are just two sides of the same coin. Um, and I think that's another thing that really Dan does really well in this book is that he, you know, ultimately if we're looking at a coin and I'm holding it up in front of my face and I see heads, you're going to see tails. And ultimately we're still looking at a coin, but per- perspectives are always different dependent because you're looking at it from a different angle. And it, mm. and that's, that's just a reality of, of, of human nature the reality of human beings and it's something that i've always valued from the horus heresy siege of terror what i think the black library authors do really well because we're talking about humans and superhumans is that they show human flaws in a very human way um and this book is sort of a really good like there's that under thread of the entire book is um in, in my opinion is showing what humans are like and that we all have a different perspective and therefore we are all right. If you look, we both looked at the coin. I'm like, no, it's, it's got a head on it. And you're like, no, it's got tails. We're both right, but we're also both wrong. So I think it really demonstrates that. And that's sort of what the heresy is all about. All everyone's right. And everyone's wrong. The emperor is a God, but he's also not. 
Um, and it depends on yes. yeah. yeah. And the um, the space marines and the primarchs themselves are um, magnifications of humanity, mm-hmm. aren't they? So all the flaws, but all the greatness, you know, is expanded what hundred times. So if you and I to have a hissy fit, you know, we would probably just, I don't know, knock something off a table, throw a coffee cup somewhere, whereas a Primark would just blow up a planet. <laughs> yeah. Or or kill their planet of birth in um, Perturabo's case. Yeah. Because it doesn't do anything by half. No, they, they, yeah, they sort of are um, turned up to 11. And obviously it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help that they're, God, not Godfather, has you know zero parenting skills. I know this is it's like a, a common meme you know, within the heresy to say that it, they um, are a result of him basically seeing them as tools. Um, ironically, Perturabo is a bit of a tool, <laughs> uh, as as are most of the traitor primarchs. I mean, most of the lawyers generally have their head switched on, but like you know, they did land on like relatively stable worlds. And, um, well, that's also so, coming and, from again. Uh, that's, that's another huge, you know, tragic angle of yeah. the heresy, isn't it? Like, it's nature versus nurture. Um, although it's sort of touched on in this book that the the Primarchs being um, taken away from Terra is um, perhaps not what we thought it yeah, was. Yes, so I want to I want to talk about that quickly as well. I, I also feel it's important to say because there might be some some fans of the Traitor Legions and their Primarchs shouting at, at, at the podcast, being like, "What is this guy on about?" Sam is, out of most of my mates, one of the biggest chaos players I have. I mean, you like both sides; you you collect both, but you have more chaos armies than most people I know. Um, so you just out of greed, though. I mean, they they just have the coolest yeah. units. And they, look, they look great. I mean, someone's got to play the bad guy, yeah. right? Well, or the the slightly more bad guy. But you you love a bit of chaos, so um, so you know that's that's from the judgmental eye. Um, I, yeah. I, I yeah, let's talk a bit about about the Primarchs and and where they came from and and if you haven't read the book valdor unfortunately we're going to bring that up because the book valdor and this book connect in a couple of little ways um so again it's worth worth reading that but but in valdor they talk about there's they talk about the big event of when the primarchs get spread around the galaxy and and how that happens and in this book um john grammaticus comes into contact with um one of the other I'm always get this name wrong. Is it perpetuals? Is that what they label them as? Yeah, it's um Erda the Perpetual. Yeah, so in this book we um we meet her and we find out that she is linked to Astartes, who was also in Baldor, and they talk about kind of when the Primarchs were missing. And you basically, between the two books, you kind of find out that it was no accident and it was sort of done it was sort of done to protect the protect the Imperium from the Emperor himself because they kind of felt like this yeah. was going to happen and they were right. Um, yeah. The writing was on the yeah. wall. Um, but it was, you got a really interesting insight into the emperor. I thought in that conversation between Erda and John. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked the way um, they went into um, the perpetuals themselves. Mm. You know, they're, they're not, there's not just a handful of them. There were quite a few of them. Um, and that they they do see themselves as the next step of um, humanity's evolution. I thought that was great, and that was I thought um, it was really well written as well. You you could have been sort of a bit lazy or a bit slapdash with just being like, yeah, we're a bit like almost making them seem like a bit like Marvel character superheroes. And and I felt like you know, I mean, Dan's probably quite best place to talk about those sorts of people having written for Marvel and DC and stuff. 
but I felt like he mm. really grounded them back in humans and that like the, back in 40k and it was it was very much a you know this evolution piece and uh, it was it was cool I really liked the way he did that yeah like not not all of them wish to aid him some some of them some of the petrols um if I remember correctly just were just content just mm. to do their own thing you know just my business whereas um emps um for reasons i still aren't clear about i know he was the most powerful of the perpetuals um really got it into his noggin that you know it's humanity that needs to rule the galaxy and no one else and um you know his way of going about it did um get a lot of people's um heckles absolutely and it's cool to kind of find out to really kind of think oh yeah the emperor is a perpetual and they're all sort of linked and um uh, and mm. you know that there are different there's different i guess volume dials if you like or different degrees of perpetual that you've got you've got kind of some like some like uh olanis and who's who's sort of like a bit like john obviously john's sort of a not a not a full perpetual but um you know a bit more human and then you've got all the way up to the emperor who's this kind of like you know gets mistaken for a god because he's a he's he's got so much power um and uh, and so much ability <laughs> Yeah, he's just he's beyond the dial, isn't he? He's like eleven intensified. I also thought it was cool in that conversation that Malkador the Sigilite is also a perpetual, um, and I mean, obviously, there's always been there's been lots of rumors and some really cool stuff around. Like, is Malkador just a like a a face of the Emperor? Is he kind of is the Emperor like uh, again? There's some other books um, like uh, Inquisition War where they talk a bit more about the Emperor. So I won't go into some of those details, um, but you know, is the emperor just like different, different face? Has he got different faces? Um, but it was sort of, yeah, he's like a yeah piece, but it he? was sort of cool that they, that there was, I mean, there wasn't an answer, but it was like talking about him being a perpetual. It was, I almost imagined it like they were the X-Men or Avengers, you know, and he was just like, he was the, he was the super powerful one and they were his crew and that they, you know, he was like, right, we're going to take over the galaxy. Yeah. And they were like, yeah. eh, not sure about that, pal. Malkador went along for the ride. <laughs> Yeah, it's, we're sort of at that difficult point, aren't we? Where a lot of um, a lot of the old lore is getting not retcon, but sort of bent in a different direction. Because I was like the old um, fan theories that the emperor was doing all of this to prepare us for future events. Um, you know, like the awakening of the Necrons or the you know Tyranids rocking up. Um, whereas it just seems to be ambition, mm. doesn't it? Like. He's just got a real hard on for taking over the galaxy and making sure humanity's number well, that's, one. That's a version. I mean, I think again, this is this is sort of what Dan alludes to in, in his in his um, uh, bit of the back of the book. But is is ultimately inherently the challenge with writing these sorts of novels. Is that there's so you know, and stories for human beings. Like there'll be parts of the story where you're like, oh, Sam really identifies with this part of the story. This is his vision of forty k. And if you try and write any new stories or talk about anything that's gone previously that disagrees with your version of 40k, then you're not going to like it. Whereas my version of 40k might be slightly different. I think one of the, one of the things that I appreciate them trying to do is is tell us this story, leave enough ambiguity that we'll be like, ah, but is it is it ambition or is that is that what he wants you to think? Um, and there's a lot of that that still goes yeah, on where you're kind of yeah. getting enough, like. You know, I hate to use Titanic as the benchmark for this, but it's just a very famous film. Everyone sort of knows what happens at the end of it. We know what happens at the end of it, right? Yeah. Um, 
but what I like is the fact that they're taking some artistic licensing and like talking, like sharing the plot in maybe a different way or showing some events that maybe are happening slightly differently, but still keeping true to the old law. Like Dan Abnett went into such detail about like, you know, Khan's kill count, for instance, like he didn't even, he didn't need to put that in, but he put these little Easter eggs of old law in there to kind of, I just, I just think it's brilliant that the way that, that he's done that. Um, but I appreciate that, you know, if you've got a version of 40K or 30K in your mind and you want to see it happen in a certain way, then sometimes you're not going to get fully fulfilled. But um, I quite like that idea that that um, we're going to get some yeah, more definitely. surprises that, you know, that we, I think we've got two more books, haven't we? There's, there are six. Um, I think so. Six. I think there are six. Um, someone's going to correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's two more to come. But I like the idea that, you know, we, you know, there's a, obviously the the biggest kind of plot um, from from this series after, you know, the Civil War is the fact is, you know, okay, big, big spoiler alert. If you don't know this, you've probably not been collecting 40K for very long, but that Sanguinius is going to get killed by Horus and then the Emperor rocks up and, and murders him. There's a, obviously a very famous piece of art that that um, from the Visions of Horus, uh, mm. Visions of Heresy um, series. But I don't think it's going to play down quite like that. I don't think it's going to be, oh, right, well, we're just going to tell you what you already know. I have a feeling that they're going to try and put a twist in it. And we're starting to see some of that play out in this book, I think. Yeah, poor old Sanquinas, he's sort of losing his mind a bit, isn't he? He's become, well, he has become saturnine hasn't he he's got that sort of dour fatalism to him now you know he thinks he knows mm. what's going to happen to him and it's almost crippling him sometimes isn't it he needs to take a take a breather a few times and then he gets worried that you know if the mortal soldier he sees him doing that they'll freak out it's like geez the golden one he's uh he's tripping yeah although he does seem to pull it back at the end of the book um, he sort of like shakes it off and he's like you know it's almost like the visions come to him which i is a bit like um what happens to Mephiston in um, in some of the recent books? Like he just sort of was it Dante? What both of them actually end up getting visions? Dante does in in, yeah. in um, like Blood of Baal, and they're kind of uncontrollable visions, and then they kind of snap out of it. And it seems to be a bit of a a bit of a blood um, blood angel curse, um, gifted by by Sanguinius. But um, yeah, it's it, there's just some things that I you know he talks about like certain walls kind of falling like and why why did this wall fall and i like the way that again that that some of they're making the old fluff work in a new way i guess is the the point i'm trying to land on that yeah yeah you sort of got a shoehorn it a certain way i guess um, in terms of in terms of big plot points what stood out to you what was like some of your some of your favorite parts of the book i've got a couple in mind but um I i was keen to well, yeah, there are a few that made me chuckle, like um, when you mentioned um, Khan's um, kill yeah. counter in his helmet. Um, I remember like I remember that from like a really old snippet of lore from like, I don't know if it's an old White Dwarf, an yeah, old Chaos Codex. Yeah, I can't remember it from either, but, um, um, but I, I didn't really referencing at the time until it was like, um, I read the bit at the back from Dan. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I do remember that. I always remember that as because they said it was like a gift from Angron to Khan, but you know, as we know these days, I don't think no. Angron is the one for gifts. He's not. He's not going to get you something for your birthday. He's not going to get you something for Christmas. I mean, maybe a severed head just, in a box or something. Just, 
or some just crap goals. joke. Just goals. That's true. It's true. He's probably got a few to spare. I really um, like. Go on. I always go on. I, go on, go on. I, well, I find it, like, do you think Khan's kill counter will get to a point where it will just it will reset? Well, that's what it, that's, shit. I love the the fact that that's the conversation he has with himself oh, in the book. Funny. It's like almost like a. It's like a '90s arcade game reference where you're like, "Does the scoreboard ever reset?" Like, you know, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, because it's just it's just running on. If if there's so many like figures in his kill counter, it's just going to like blur his vision. It's just going to be he's just going to be yeah. staring through numbers. Um, he needs to like archive it. It's like a whole, do you reckon there's like a world it's <laughs> Hall of Fame that they can all yeah, access? Yeah, it's an arcade scoreboard. Khan is firmly at the top of that scoreboard. No one's no one's touching that lad. Yeah, it's Khan four twenty no scope. Triple X, exactly. all that crap, um, right at the top. Um, but yeah, standout moment. Well, I think my favourite moment was the um, the okay. subterranean assault involving um, the elite of the um, Black Legion, or well, not Sons Black Legion Horus. at the time. Um, it is uh, the Horus, I should say. Yeah, the gr- Green Boys, Sea Green Boys. Um, so it was just like a massive, a lot of, um, blood feuds in that one. Um, and the fact that Garrow and Loken are in it, was just, just yeah. freaking awesome. I thought the action and, was, um, was really was kind of well. movie, movie-like in, in the way that, that they did the battle scenes, like, um, the, you know, they, that the, and the way the kill squads were kind of put together and the fact that it's like nod to sort of death watch and, Oh, it was just, it was just brilliant. Like it was just, there's so much in that. Um, like the, the, the fighting scenes are incredible and like, you know, seeing Gar- Garfield kind of yeah, get, his, get his revenge on Torgadon and, and Axamand, it was just like, oh, and, and the way that he dispatches Axamand is quality. Um, yeah, like some, some big, big names from like earlier on in the series just yeah, getting completely deleted. deleted. And it was sort of nice to see, like, this is, this is almost a bit Return of the Jedi, Star Wars. I think we talked about kind of a couple of, like the last book, the Gav Thorpe book, basically being um, Return uh, Empire Strikes Back. Like the bad guys won in that book mm. and the good guys got an absolute battering. This one, the good guys kind of get a bit of redemption. And that that was really cool. I, th- I saw a lot of comments online that people were a bit gutted that Abaddon and Locken didn't have their round two. But I actually thought, that just would have been too convenient. Like, oh yeah, we'll just have them two fight again. And you know that the abandon's not going to die. So it's sort of, it's sort of a bit Well, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, he can't, yeah, he can't be killed. I mean, it's like, this isn't the first, well, actually, abandon gets battered um, several times, doesn't he? Like once when he meets, um, so this is spoiler alert for the far future, like when he meets the Gizmond, when he comes out the Eye of Terror, um, he gets his ass handed to him. Um, by a geriatric Sigismund. And um, even now he's on the verge of death, isn't he, before he gets yeah, um, he, he, teleported out? he takes out. a bit of a battering from sort of, as I said, this sort of Death Watch crew of um, uh, Garrow and, and co. And um, yeah, it's, but it's just a great scene, like a bad and taking on these like really hardened veterans um, and, and still like yeah. he's outgunned, outnumbered. He thinks he's going to die, but he still manages to kind of, absolutely wreck face um in typical abaddon fashion and it's just it's well done like i think dan talks about this again in his in his 
at the end of the book where he's sort of saying you couldn't have the the sons of Horus and the the Mournival kind of rock up and basically do too much damage because otherwise this great grand plan of um um of the Imperial Fists and of Rorgal Dawn to kind of let them in so that they could defeat them would he'd seem like an idiot. So you kind of, the good guys had to had to kind of wow. kick some ass. But I think he gets the balance really right on that. Um and it's great to see Ark and Land kind of popping up and being a bit of a bit of a hero. Um he's one of my favorite characters. He's from uh, again if you haven't read it, go read this book. But it's from the um uh Master of Mankind book. He pops up with this uh really cool blood angel called Zephon. Um, and they make an appearance in this book, which I was just like, again, Arkenland, he's sort of like this character is a bit like John Grammaticus, yeah. just great one-liners, really, really entertaining to read his dialogue. And it was cool to see him pop up as well. Yeah, well, he's like yeah. the heresy version of cool, isn't he? Really? He's just, just a, um, he, give, he talks a lot of smack, but he gets away with it because he's just, you know, his, his genius is beyond compare. Um, and yeah, the, when he's running around the um, corridors, um, getting chased with his by his bodyguard, and then he bumps into Horus, Axaman. He just he just doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, do what you got to do. Um, I've got a load of yeah, grey goo to pump into these tunnels. It was he's very cool as well. The way they about did that, the way they were like, um, you know, oh yeah, I can land. He's he's come up with this great idea. Um, yeah, he's just, he's just going to pour like plastic cement into the. Um, into the earth, which is awesome. Um, and then there's this, that brutal scene where one of the squads yeah. um, of Reavers, I think, um, in their little um, assault drill, mm-hmm. the, the Mantelith or whatever it is, um, just get gummed in it. Yeah. And then they're just I like stuck they're still under, the sea, under Terra now. Like, there's just these, like, you know, Sons of Horus trapped in a drill. Yeah, maybe their little um, those little node things they've got can put them to sleep, and like they get accidentally dug into cool. or something at some point. Be hilarious. Or there's like ghostly yeah, suits of armor just walking around. Some shit, from but, um, the 41st millennium yeah, yeah. digging up old sons of Horus. Yeah, but the um, so yeah, that whole section of the book was fantastic. I mean, like you say, it was nice to see the good guys get a, a bit of a win. I mean, obviously, most of these series is them just getting pasted. Um, and I didn't expect it to be like the elite of um, Horace's Legion yeah. getting completely decimated. In fact, most of the Just Aaron are gone, I believe. Like they've, they've been complete because some of them are just literally walking yeah, out yeah. of their drills and just getting smashed. Um, so, yeah, the Sons of Horace are taking a massive yeah, beating um, in that. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, at the same time of that, as that, we've kind of kind of jumped right into the meat of, meat of this. At the same time as that's going on, um, the Emperor's children are having a, a, a basically also doing a frontline assault on on the, on the top of this this gate, this wall, and the Imperial fists, including Rogaldorn and the aforementioned Sigismund, are sort of sort of having a bit of a fight. And that is, I think that's some. I don't know. I felt like that bit where Sigismund rocks up, takes on Fulgrim. Like Fulgrim's quite like again quite a quite an entertaining character. He's a bit like the Joker of 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 30k isn't it he's a bit like that that kind of like yeah but like the Heath Ledger joker also kind of funny um and him taking on Sigismund was really cool and then Rorgel rocking up and just such a great fight and great great dialogue between those two I thought that was ace 
Yeah, it was um, it was it was hilarious seeing him just getting slapped around, and then he just he just throws yeah. a hissy fit and gets out of there. Like it, it shows like how degraded um, the Third Legion have become. Um, they just stood no chance. But I mean, there's, the whole legion was there, the entire legion was there, and as Dawn like quips later, they should have got through. Um, but because he's he's just lost his ability to you know function as a tactician. Um, they just try and force themselves through that. Yeah, they sort were of a very you know, small gap. He kind of uses the line like you're you're a great warrior, but crap tactician basically because he just threw everything at, like you say at this small gap. But I thought it was really interesting the way that like so Fulgrim kind of rocks up in in his human form, and you're like, oh, I thought he was this big demon serpent, and then they have a they have, yeah, interesting. Like Dawn, yeah, like really makes him look silly, and you're like, oh. Maybe maybe Dawn could take him, and then he kind of says, "Yeah, but I can't die," and turns into a big demon and buggers off. Like you say, he's just like he's so pissed off that he's kind of been had to go through through this, and he and and Dawn plays it really well. But yeah, and then they all leave him. They all, all, like him and the Empress children bugger off. Yeah, although he leaves like a few of the elite behind, don't they? Who then promptly get completely yeah. pasted um, by Dawn and Tigger, which is great because they're sort of fighting back to back, um, which is a nice little nod to their sort of yeah. It's a bit weird. Love hate relationship really got broken going. down, um, but it's I, I don't. What do you think? Because it, throughout this book and all the other books in the series, they've basically been falling. It's like proper proper kid falling out with their dad like they've properly um fallen out but then during that fight scene they sort of like it's like their bond kind of restores a little bit and they're and they kind of get through it but then they're not on good terms are they i i think that's probably going to get worse what do you think no i mean mm. dawn's one, dawn's one for the rules isn't he i mean i i, I know in like the last few books he's sort of you do see a lighter side of him and you know a bit more of his you know worries and well like we said earlier it's humanity but um, you don't disobey him and he disobeyed him big time. So I think that was a step too far. And cause yeah. he was, his like his number one bro. It was a, a bit of a stab in the back to him. Um, even though he did it for, you know, very, very good reasons. Um, it was still a bit of a spanner in the works yeah. at a time where they really couldn't afford to have any. Um, also earlier, I just, uh, I just, I made a mistake with my Joker reference. It's not Heath okay. Ledger's Joker. It's Jared Leto's Joker. A really, really creepy, scummy <laughs> shit joker. Yeah, he, he sort of reminds me That's a little bit. That's what the Fulgrim is. <laughs> sort of reminds me a little bit of like Mark Hamill's portrayal <laughs> sometimes as well. Like um, he's got that kind of quirky, jokey element to him. I I sort of like the way that Fulgrim's being portrayed these days. Like that he's um he's he's obviously a dickhead. He's a villain, but he's he's sort of yeah. He he has got some comedy elements to him. He's not. I think that you know every every Primark has some redeemable qualities. Even the one that is probably, I mean, Fulgrim is the most disliked. I think he's done. You know, he's he's not he's 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 had some pretty nefarious. He, he's the only guy to kill two Primarchs so other Primarchs so far. So he's. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Have I made that up? He's definitely killed one, but I think he's I think he's got two. So he's he's out of the bad guys. He's definitely one of the one of the worst. Who's the second one? I know he's got. I know he took Ferris's head off. He took Ferris's head off. 
Maybe some major characters. Yeah. Oh no, no, he slit yes, Gulliman's did. throat, didn't he? Okay. Um, so I thought he killed nearly killed him. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up. But yeah. someone will t- someone will let me know. There's a lot of law. Yeah. You know, it just shows sometimes how the how good the writers are when you're kind of like I've read all this stuff. I can't even remember. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really neat part. I think I think it's at the start of the first Dark Imperium book where it just jumps back to yeah. Gulliman and Fulgrim fighting on his his dirty spaceship, um, which is basically like a giant flying STD, um, and they just batter each other and eventually, yeah, Fulgrim, um, who as he says can't die, but he doesn't like it when you cut him or you know bang up his armor or no, make make a mess of the place. Yeah, he just, he's, he's he just more, freaks out. He's definitely rather unhinged these oh, days. He, he, you know, obviously the uh... he's sort of like. That classic <laughs> villain where you think you've got him and he throws a smoke bomb on the floor. Like you can never get to him, which is infinitely frustrating because he needs. Yeah, he needs it's to a be bit weird out. as well. I mean, I, I'm um, sort of starting to see that there's it's a bit of a power mismatch between the the loyalists and the traitors. The traitors are definitely sort of, and obviously now we're getting Primarchs coming into 40k. I do I do slightly worry that the Imperium might need a bit of Primaris and other backups because you know Fulgrim is rumored that he's coming back if he comes back and can't be killed and he's super powerful and he's a Primarch Slayer I, f- I fear for old girly man and his uh, and his crew yeah well hopefully some other loyalist Primarchs can turn up in some different form because you know Korax is going to be some sort of warp ghost thing now isn't he Jagatai's out there somewhere yeah. just been doing press well, ups in the web or whatever because so who I knows mean, obviously this this um, oh yeah, heresy series has basically transformed the white scars from being this sort of space. There's oh, there's a legion, yeah, the white scars to this really cool legion that I think everyone sort of loves. Like they're one of those legions that everyone sort of gets on board with. You know that they're like oh yeah, they're cool. Um, it's you know there's there's a couple of legions like salamanders are another one. Yeah. Like, you know people will argue oh I don't like space wars or I don't like ultramarines. Most people you know there's a few loyal people that love space uh, ultramarines but most people not not a big fan um but white scars and salamanders are, are sort of up there with two that everyone sort of digs and i think that's just because the guys have absolutely nailed them and jagatai and a couple of the other white scars in this book are wicked yeah like they they definitely are well like you say quite likable like because there's quite a few of them stationed around here and there aren't they they've all been sort of like scattered about commanding different sections of the walls and stuff and they're um th- there's not one of them is like been a dick they've all just dealt with well, humans sort of telling them what to do heroes, quite they? if you think about like the expendables they're basically all that kind of character like the gung-ho let's go and have it kind of characters that you kind of can't really get mad at. They're all like Arnie and Sly in terms, a lot of ways. They're just kind of like, get on my bike. I'm going to go and smash some traitors. They're not. Yeah, the, um, yeah, definitely. And um, it, it is this book, right, where they sally forth and just yeah, with, um, smash into the Death Guard lines, with- right? The Valdor on his jet bike, which I was just like, the image in my mind of Jagged Icon and Valdor yeah. kind of, going out like sons of anarchy on hell's angels kind of crew with like spears and um and big swords i was like this is this is the nuts this is what you want yeah and jet bikes always remind me of like saturday morning cartoon sort of like like stuff you know it's just like such a, a weird piece of technology um but yeah 
God damn, did I use it to um, quite like in a shattering effect, especially when they go over the lines and just mm-hmm. everyone, everyone behind it isn't quite ready yet. There's a lot of traitor soldiery and death God are milling around and they just brutalize yeah, them. Exactly. And, and, then, and it's um, quite interesting to see the thousand sons in this book because it, because you know, the, the Imperium are well outgunned, they're outmanned, outgunned. They're just, they're just doing everything they can to kind of hold on and hope that some of the other guys get there. And, and yeah. there were a couple of forces, like, like yeah. you know, big questions were like, well, how, how did they hold on? You know, and this book starts to explore, we already talked about Fulgrim. He basically is like, well, I wanted to just come in, be, like smash everyone and rock off. And you're telling me that people are, you know, we've lost everything and, and I'm out of here. I can't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not doing this for Horace anymore. He can fucking do it basically. And he sods off. And then you've got Magnus, who's basically letting Mortarian kind of like let Mortarian do all the legwork and we'll come in at the end and just kind of mop everything up. So he, again, he's not really getting to it. He's not overplaying his hand yet. Him and Araman are kind of sitting back, just letting, letting the death God do the, the heavy lifting. Yeah. Casting spells and summoning stuff. Like sort of like you said that if they got out of their own way, they would have easily won this war, but it's the fact that they're all trying to, get glory in different ways that they're this they're sort of not not getting there oh yeah it's yeah well it's the same like the orcs in 40k isn't it like they've always said if if all the orcs united under one warlord war boss i should say they're just steamroll the galaxy but they won't because they fight amongst themselves because <laughs> you know they just loves fighting um and the problem, yeah, the problem of the traitor hosts, uh, you know, as I've mentioned many times, you know, Abaddon knows this, Perty knows this, Horus mm-hmm. probably at the back of his mind knows it, wherever his mind's gone, um, is that they need to get this done quick. A, because the loyalists are, you know, hot on the heels, and B, it's only a matter of time before they start fighting amongst themselves and follow their own vendettas, which they did. Um, so, you know, Fulgrim's now taking his legion, yeah. he's doing um, Goblin's Walk to Goblin's Tomb. I'd be interested to see how they play that out as well, whether... Angles, whether on their angles. way, way leaving, you know, they get intercepted by someone yeah. else or like where they talk about them going, like how they leave that. Cause they've kind of just, yeah, up, 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 left tools and, 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 and gone. I think, yeah, one of the, they've just gone to terrorize the civilian population of terrorize from what I can tell from the other law snippets and basically turn everyone into like drugs or like slaves to the holds of their ships and stuff. It's, you know, classic Emperor's children, <laughs> sort of like fun activities that they get up to. Um, and yeah, so then you've got Angron and his boys who are, you know, just, I think Khan's one of the only people holding it together. I mean, it's such a but, shame watching Khan well, deteriorate yeah, because I think Khan in the, in the her- heresy, you know, obviously everyone loves Khan in 40k because he's just this, this we- he's just this weapon unleashed effectively. But in the heresy, He's yeah, written so yeah, he, like yeah. he's this really cool character that you know headbutts um what's his face the empress Ch- emperor's children um chap uh no the word bearers oh it was Erebus when he headbutts Erebus everyone's just like yes um yeah absolutely like yeah, he and he's just no nonsense <laughs> approach like he's just he was such a cool character like they made him such a cool character and then you just watch this decline of someone who basically loses control almost a bit like a um, sort of not uh, maybe not an alcoholic, but someone who do you know what I mean? They've they just you just see them descend basically, like to the butcher's nails. Yeah, I mean, 
I can like I recommend the um, the Angron Primark book because you really get an insight into why they did that. You know why they put those horrible things into their heads. Um, and you know Khan being Khan, he's one of the first to have it done. And I, I don't want to spoil the book, but um, I, I really recommend it because you, you realize why this mm. yeah, very noble warrior becomes what he is. Um, and again, it's just tragedy on top of yeah, tragedy. Exactly. Uh, you know, classic Warhammer. But yeah, so you've got the rest of their rabble just like absolutely going nuts. I mean, time and time again, they mention um, in this book as well, like that the mortal soldiers come across um, world eaters and they just refer to them as like feral hounds. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. A lot of them just like charging at them on all fours. Sort of like gorillas, like bounding after them. No. Yeah, just completely nuts. And even... um, that silent sister who's yeah, I um, her the, name. the she's, boss silent she, like, sister I like, love the way that's written as well woman. sort of because she can't speak so it's this like internal monologue of her um, and it's just really lovely done like the bit of, you know when she uh, kind of the end of her time in the book where she's sort of regaling the story and being it was it was really lo- I thought it was a really lovely way to to kind of tell her story Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. It. I think it's well Kroll, Janita Kroll. I think the name. Um, and I like how they um, when when she turns up in um, yeah. various conversations and in the background, people can't actually see her. She's sort of. Like, I, I know, like the Silent yeah. Sisters, you know, mess with people's minds. But you know, especially if you're a psyche, you just lose it. But um, normal humans like you and me just sort of see like this greasy blur. Um, apart from old. Um, Another character I want to talk about, yeah. um, the um, Oleander, Oleander Pierce, um, everyone's favorite hard drinking, hard wisecracking trooper. Um, he sort of sees a bit of her, doesn't he? And then believes it's like that warrior god that him and a lot of the imperial troops worship. Um, especially when she, you know, she saves his yeah. life. So here's when a question: convoy gets I, shot. And I might be, I might be completely off base here, um, but I, I. I Oleander Piers, is that Piers Olison? Is it just like, is that why he could see her? Because he's a perpetual. Is that the same bloke? Or is it just a random trooper and I've kind of connected two people because their names sound very similar? Yeah, like he's he's yeah. he's to do with that old um, mythology, isn't he, of the lone guardsman um, who stands in front of Horus um, yeah. on the um, vengeful spirit. Um, but it's sort of when John Grammaticus is talking to Erda, like it hit that, that weird space That's Marine so dude cool that hangs out with her, like, you know, one of the original wicked, like, template oh, yeah, space no, I, Marines. You know, he's the fact that he um, doesn't, he's like, what legion were you wearing yeah. back in the day? Cause he's, he's wearing kind of black armor and he's like, uh, there weren't legions. I'm, I'm before them. I'm directly from, I'm directly from the emperor. You're like, yeah. oh shit. This is basically a custode before there were custodes. And he's got this old pistol. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 He's up like a blueprint Marine. Um, and yeah. And he mentions, uh, that, um, although, um, old, uh, PR soul is yeah, on terror. So I was thinking that he might maybe that's arrived in a different time, time that, because of, because um, you don't find out what happens to him. It's sort of a cliffhanger moment, um, where, you know, he's about to get splattered, but does he get splattered? Or does is that the same guy? And does John Grammaticus find him in time? And 
Yeah, or 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 did he did he arrive much earlier? And um, yeah, like Oleander Pierce is just his descendant, and you know that's why he's got he's got a bit of perpetual in him. I'm I'm not too sure. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it it felt like it sort of yeah. alluded that. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, he's, I, he's been on terror. It's all really interesting. I, I I don't know. That's a, that's probably one of the biggest question mark moments I have over stuff. Like, because I think again, a lot of the other stuff suggests some reasonable answers and you can kind of get, but this is again, why I really like the, what they're doing with the siege of terror. Cause they're leaving us with questions that will lead to other, do you know what I mean? We want to find out answers rather than just, Oh yeah, cool. What, what I thought would happen is going to happen. Um, so it's kind of nice, you know, to be able to be like, Oh, who's this? What's going to happen here? Like, what, where's this plot thread going? Um, and two characters that I'm surprised yeah. we haven't seen pop up again. And, and I thought, I'm really surprised we've not heard any, any more of the Alpha Legion and those two, their two um, kind of spies that we saw in the first two books have sort of disappeared. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm assuming they're at large I somewhere. By now we would have heard of, I thought they were going to pop up in this book. What are your thoughts around them? Where, where do you think? Any th- well, there must mm. be Alpha Legion operatives all over the all over the place, right? I mean, they are there. Um, and perhaps that will get mentioned at some point. Um, or is their job done right. and they're, they're off ski? What do you think of some um, of the characters, I'm, I'm some of the sure. things that we've read um, where it's like, it was this character. What happens if it wasn't that character? It was an Alpha Legion operative. Do you think they'll do anything like that? <laughs> I... <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, it's all very much ghost in the machine sort of thing, isn't it? It, it it's like all like <laughs> this, the old Scooby Doo, pull the mask off, and it's like old man, what's his name? But I mean, maybe. I mean, it's it's obviously not beyond their ability to do. Yeah, but I, it's just I, I think, a bit of a cliche at this point, well, isn't I hope it? That like, they would do it in a kind of a really cool way, uh, and and not just you know like it was all a dream. Kind of use that as a get out of jail free card for kind of any any plot holes, but actually do it in a meaningful way where you're like, Oh shit, I didn't see that coming. Um, but I just, I'm just throwing out there as, a, as an idea because yeah. I think, again, I think that there are in however many books we have left, some twists and turns for the plot to come that, that we're not expecting. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of the little, the human I, side of this one where they had the little uh, remembrances who got brought back in and they're sort of like seen as the, I thought it was really, yes. Like proto inquisition. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about. Yeah. Like the, I loved that where, where that little nod as well, like where um, Carl Sinderman's like, or Krill Sinderman's like, oh yeah, we're going to have an eye logo. And the, Oh, it's just like, oh, that's so oh, cool. Like, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, so I'm sure there's some people that, that that are really into Inquisition stuff that probably are like, oh, fuck, I didn't want it to be created like that or whatever. But I thought it was a really cool little little Easter egg in there. Yeah, like, I mean, mm. I, I love a lot of the um, 40K Inquisition books, um, ones with, like, you know, Erasmus, Cool and and whatnot, like, especially ones that are based on terror when, you know, they're, tr- they're trying to get yeah. to this, you know, this information is there somewhere. Uh, it'd be amazing if they ever like do a crossover with that at some point. I know they had some of that in like, um, was it Saga of the Beast, the War of the Beast? Uh, um, War of the Beast, yeah. The the big orc book series. Beast Arises. War of the Beast, yeah, when you... Um, the series. Beast Arises, yeah, because I know, I know um, spoiler alert, um, Cinderman turns up in that. 
Um, so it's, yeah, there's, there's, as you said earlier, there's a hell of a lot of Easter eggs and nods in this one. Cause I guess it is, yeah. it's setting a lot and of the groundwork for, the, you know, the timelines the kind arc, of right? merge together as well. There's like things, things that we're finding out about now and Siege of Terror, and I've talked about this before, we're starting to see kind of play out in some of the 40k books. And I'm, and I'm really interested to see that I've forgotten the name of it, but the basically the first of the Indominus Crusader like books that's coming out. I think it's this week, actually, it, it drops. Um, it yeah. might even be today. It's it's definitely soon. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of it. Is it uh, something Sun? Avenging Sun? Is that right? Yeah, I think it's called Avenging, Avenging Sun. Sun that's what I'm really Roman's interested to see us, what, what, what that mm. like, um, brings out, whether there's any nods to kind of what we're hearing in, in Siege of Terror. Like, they're doing a really great little job of kind of, with a timeline of books, kind of, you know, the old uh, Tarantino trick of kind of telling, setting something up in a prequel and then telling us about it again in the, you know, in the later series and stuff. Like, you know, they launch Valdor and then in this book, there's some nods to Valdor, even though it's, you know, way before the Siege of Terror even happens and just yeah, some really yeah. nice timeline jumps where we get to get little pieces in different areas um, um, is really nice. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really cool, man. Um, uh, and I really liked the human interaction in this book. I thought, I thought it was really nicely done. It wasn't over overloaded. So you felt like the pace was like, Oh, okay. We're getting into really into the Myers. I thought it, it jumped really well. Um, I thought the human character, I mean, Dan does yeah. the characters, I think better than most writers. So I thought the characters were really cool in the way that the, he kind of gave them their own flavor and, um, and I liked all the remembrances. I thought, you know, you've got like the young kid and then you've got, yeah. you know, the old guy, Kirill Sinderman, and then you've obviously got Keeler's kind of like getting a, getting a bit of a role in it. And it was just cool. It was just, it worked. I thought it, I felt it worked really well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something I enjoyed about the, um, the, the first couple of books mm. is that you, there's so much like human perspective on it, you know, like all the troops on the ground, um, in the trenches and stuff in, you know, one of the most horrific war fronts in the galaxy, um, was great. And it's, and it's nice that each one of these yeah, books so far really has had that to the human story vein and, running and, through and it. As I think I've heard Dan say a few times as well, it's like, there's only so much Baltic porn you can have before you get bored of it. Like you need, you need, some other things to juxtapose it and, and keep it fresh. Um, I think I do think the trick is to kind of, you know, yeah. give it, like the humans got not only give a perspective, but they've got to give a little bit of value. And I think that's, you know, I know you, you really liked um, the last book, but that's something I felt it, it, some of the human perspective at times didn't add a lot to the other book. It was just to break up the action for, for me, but again, personal preference. Um Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I, I, you know, I often forget that the, the um, size of the Belgium, Imperial Palace Dan, is what it's, it? it's like the size, the size of, of a subcontinent. And he, drew, he drew a map as well, just, which is really cool. Like, you know, built out Belgium, this map so that they they could kind of plan things. But size of Belgium, I mean, it's yeah, it's a pretty big palace. That's that's MTV Cribs special. That is. Yeah, didn't like. Yeah, that would be one hell of an episode. Um, yeah. This and what the emperor at the end is like, no, it's, get it's out of my home now. And the camera just zooms out. Yeah. <laughs> it's Golden Throne. This is where literal magic happens. But yeah, like the, so you've got God knows 
untold millions of people. And, you know, it, it does touch on that, doesn't it? Like so many refugees have got caught between this army and that army. And um, some, I know in this book, you see a lot of troopers have been sort of like yeah. I, um, I, lost mm. um, when when the, um, the spaceport fell. You know, a lot, a lot of troopers get caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, so it's, you know, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Just, you know, the sheer size of the, um, the battlefront. And is it Dawn or Pert says like there's a, yeah, I think it might have been 40,000 or was it 70,000 yeah, kind of battles going on? And cho- they like so try and show the scale. They're really trying to show the scale in these books without just being like, it was massive or, or what have you. And I think that they've, all the writers have sort of alluded to that in the back of the book. Cause it gets really easy just to be like, it's massive. It's massive. Like trying to show that through like depiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that it was it's really cool. And I and I liked the fact that as well that Dan managed to really grasp the the because you kind of think, well, why would they why would they why would all these humans fight on if you've got these insane killing machines all around you? You're being assaulted. It's just it's just craziness. And it's, you know, then this whole emperor being a god kind of thing and actually they're trying to stand together because they're going to die either way. They may as well die mm. with purpose, standing together with their bro- brothers in arms and not, and not just crumble and, and kind of give up. And I liked that, that way that he kind of pulled that out and, and you know, the different types of warfare throughout the book and the different types of soldiers and the way that they all, the way that, that when you're reading the battle, you know, when you're reading about the Imperial Guard, it's like you're, you're sort of, last ditch kind of like it almost felt a bit like Blackadder goes forth where you know at the very end they have to run over the wall and it's all futile and 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 you know that's played out I mean I'm just using that as a as the example but it's played out in a lot of war films where you kind of the soldiers realize that they're all going to die um but they're but you know they've got a duty and that they're going to see it through and there's there's some really lovely moments in the book with with people with with the troopers and stuff and I think it does give it a really nice balance to the super killing machines that have got chainsaws and ridiculous guns and half of them are demons are kind of just smashing each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah they're what, just flesh and bone at the end only. of the day. Um, one, one, one wound only. Um, last right. gun. Um, yeah. Off you, oh yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need. You got a helmet? Yeah. Off, that's you, it. Go. off you go. Um, I, t- I tell you, I have to, I have to bring it up because it's yeah. the line of the book. And when they're when they're just Dawn's discussing kind of the fortification, and they're like, I, c- I can't remember exactly the setup, but I remember the line because I I genuinely got shivers, and it's proper cheesy, but it it really worked for me when he's like, I am the fortress. I was like, yes, okay, I'm starting to like Dawn a little bit because I've never really been that <laughs> fond of Imperial Fist and Dawn. Always thought they had a bit of a stick up their butt, but I absolutely loved that line. And I have to say that the Black Library authors are really starting to make me kind of like Dawn a little bit more. That you know, but that I thought that line was epic. That's well, that's him, isn't it? He's the um, he's the. Uh, yeah. I just love the way that I can't like remember. The, uh, they, the he's he's the castle really builder. Well. Isn't it's it? like they're kind of questioning him about his decision, like the fortress will fall blah 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 it's like the fortress won't fall or something i am the fortress and i was like yes i i kind of almost wish i was listening to the audio drama for that moment and some great voice actor kind of gives it some real gravitas because i just thought that line was epic 
Yeah, I mean his 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 car is basically a giant space yeah. fortress, isn't it? Like it's just it's just him in a nutshell. It's a shame <laughs> his model didn't have little like sort of like mini rook tower um, forts on each shoulder. And and you know, be cool. be, I'm sort of I'm very much looking forward to him coming back to the 41st millennium if you know that happens. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of chatter amongst us. 40k players and fans about who the next Primark will be and will there be more at the moment we've only got Grilliman and you know like who's dead and who's alive will they retcon stuff how it will work so not to try and open that debate up but having read this I think it would be really cool if Dawn came yeah. back and I think he'd add a really it would cool be nice. I mean I, I, th- I don't think he can come back right now because him and him and old uh, Bobby G are a bit too similar and a bit too pally I'd quite like a I think the line. I think the lion's going to, my prediction, again, we kind of did a podcast on this, so go and listen to that, but I think it would be the lion and I think it'd be really cool because him and Gilliman very much disagree on a lot of stuff and I think it'd be quite a cool juxtaposition to have him sort of in the, in the 41st millennium kind of telling him Bobby G's doing lots of stuff wrong. Yeah. 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 But the, but the lion makes more sense because, you know, you know where he is. Uh, and like, like Grilliman, he he was also napping in stasis, yeah. well, also, so it's like some, it would be relatively straightforward him for him to be kind of starting to emerge as well in some books. And there's a new Dark Angels book just been announced about about Luther. So yeah, he's 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 oh, he's course, escaped yeah, the rock. So um, so I think that's land, though, I think that's he? about to get very very interesting. Um, Yes, that's what I was about of to talk Dark about. Angels, I was just, and I was kind of waiting for I knew you were. I knew you were starting to feel what I was putting down. Um, how how fucking exciting is that? Yeah. yeah, of course. Wayne turns up. Um, now I'll have to look up my forty k law here because he was. What books yes, has he appeared in so, so far? Mate, it's been the, so um, long since I read that. With Please the do let us know if we're completely off base, but I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was in the Thramus. What, what are your thoughts? It. So, again, I'm a bit fuzzy on some of the specifics of the Siege of Terror kind of fluff, as it were, the, pre, the, the pre-book series kind of lore. Um, some of it I, I know well, some of it I don't know at all. Were, were, were the Dark Angels as reported as being there or is this a kind of artistic license, new news, some kind of new law and theory? I, yeah. I, I do know that like the Loyalist fleets did get to terror eventually and then they basically turn around and then yeah. pursue the traitors, in, um, which, which then becomes a, the scouring, right? And sort of like corral them into the eye of terror. Um, but so I'm sure they'll they'll massively expand on that. But I do, I do know their fleets did arrive eventually. Um, but how and exactly when was it? Immediately after Emps killed Horus, just before I don't know. Um, but they're right. On, they're what at the end of the solar system right yeah. now. But then the the, the whole solar system is, is just chock a block yeah, full of traitor ships. Terror, how, how's that going to play out? So um, they've got their work. But it, I thought them. that was really cool. So I it, kind of I do you know what I, I've actually I'm I'd be keen to get your thoughts. Obviously that's part of the discussion process but um i'm i'm missing some of the other um legions quite a lot like i don't get me wrong i really like blood angels i think the white scars ace i think you know i'm starting to ease my stance a little bit on the imperial fist i'm not a massive imperial fist fan but i'm really missing like i'm like i want a bit of dark angels in here they'd be great or the walls like you know i'm just, 
you know, even a bit of Gilliman, like again, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a bit more dark angel space wolves in terms of my fandom, but it'd be cool to see some of the other legions there. And it's a bit, it's a bit disappointing not having them. Salamanders are like, you know, Raven guard, iron hands, like, where are they? I know, I'm, I know, but it's, it's just a shame. Well, not not much of those employees, left, you know what I mean? When all I mean, the, all the traitor no, legions are here, we're kind of, we're getting a bit of everyone, uh, but I kind of feel I'm, I'm missing out on some loyal, extra loyalist stuff. I want a bit more. It, yeah, I, I guess it would have been quite Looking cheesy out. if just all elements of all yeah. the legions were just on terror, just just having you know the like fight century, just all For the sure. primarchs sure. going nuts. I mean, that would be a, a bit much. Um, as cool as it would be, um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame. Like a lot of a lot of um, of the uh, legions don't get their sort of like comeuppance or like you know final versus sort of fight. Um, but again, it's not over yet. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more books to come or various series and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you know, some of the legions don't really exist anymore. Others are too far away. Um, or they've already begun their own separate objectives. Um, so yeah, I, am really interested to see like what happens there. As you said, is the timeline going to be slightly changed maybe so so some people get there we're, before we're, it's too we're late pretty close to wrapping know. up thanks for for the chat mate I, I i really enjoy these i hope people listening enjoy them too and if you do let us know and also if there's any books i mean obviously we'll continue to do the siege of terror stuff but if there's any other books you kind of want us to to share our thoughts on and ideas on um then do um but have you got any sort of predictions for the next book any and or anything you'd like to see happen Um, well, I've sort of, I mean, I know Angron yeah, is, he's been um, let loose, isn't he? Sort of properly sh- been let loose, screaming a lot and charging in right now. Obviously, he's got, he's, um, yeah, that old, um, that poor trooper, um, what's his name? Uh, Ollie's grandson yeah, or whatever he is, you know, he's facing off him. And there's a, there there's a beautiful piece of artwork left, mate. I showing that. Call, call the, um, four books left. I called the series short by two. I've just checked. Four books left. Four books. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So there's there's plenty that Go can happen. Mm. So obviously a battle team beaten up, so he's gonna have to, you know, recover a little bit, lick his wound. Um yeah, there's gonna be obviously yeah. I think um what's that Bloodthirster, was it Cal Bander or whatever his name is? Sanguinus's um nemesis. He's gonna rock up at some point. Um, the sort of walls of reality are collapsing, aren't they? So there's a lot more yeah. demons and warp stuff. Warp shenanigans sort of turning up now. Um, so you saw Typhus briefly in this book as well. So yeah, it'd be, um, cool be nice to see some in, more like I mean, he's, proper he's, Death like Guard action rather than just hearing about them. But just for a little chat and kind of make even hit, you know fellow Chaos Legionaries a bit sick. They're like, oh god, what's happened to him? Um, but it'd be it, he's he's a bit yeah he's a bit of a bad bad man character. So it would be a it would be cool to see him get a thinks, bit more involved. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same with Araman, I think. Yeah, like, he's like again, one of the original one of the, Like he's the, the kind nasty. of big bads. Um, it'd be cool to see him kind of get amongst it, I think. Um, but I have a feeling that they're going to stay a bit more on the periphery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Magnus is sort of after his 
soul yeah. or something, isn't he? Like he's he's got slightly more esoteric goals in in, in this one. Yeah. He's, not, he's not just there to like smack backhand dad. Um, he's sort of just trying to re- recover himself, I think. And I think the Thousand Suns—they're not really there just to burn stuff. Yeah. Um, but I guess right now they're playing playing to Zeech's plans, aren't they? So what that will be, God knows. But it, it would be nice to see a bit more of them in it. But uh, I, I'm not too sure, like what sort of strength they've brought to bear. Yeah, they I mean, are there Rubik Marines on again, Terra. You, they're they're no, sort of a bit. We don't know. They're a bit of a shatter legion themselves, aren't they? The Thousand Suns these days. They're not they're not firing on all cylinders, but after yeah, after Prospero. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see yeah, how, how well I think yeah, I think we're gonna see. Obviously, we're gonna see more about Sanguinius. He's he's sort of his. Uh, it's been quite a lot of dawn. Like this book, certainly the last two books have been basically dawn and and who he is and who he is under. Not I think one one thing I'm really noticing is we're getting to see the Primarchs kind of under the cosh so we've sort of seen them at times challenged or the best of them now we're starting to see at very worst like how do they respond and dawn is kind of like you know he's actually becoming quite likable in the fact that he's not just stick up his ass i've got to do it by all the doctrines he's kind of okay well i'm gonna have to think on my feet a little bit here and um play a different game and you're starting to see quite a human side of him Yeah. Yeah, just yeah to say he reacts well under pressure is like a colossal understatement. Because this is obviously the most um, the the largest amount of pressure yeah, ever be, placed upon him. Re- I think we're going to see any, more any sanguineous ever. I'd you imagine. Know, I think it might kind of Dawn's going to probably pass the baton a little bit to Sanguinius, and he's he you know um, I think Jagatai is probably going to stay a bit more of a periphery character in terms of like he'll come into it, but. I'm not. I'm not sure. That's obviously just my my point of view. I'd be really interested if we see more from the emperor, because yeah. I, I, I might be wrong. But I felt like there was a bit yeah. where he was playing towards the really right towards the end of the book. He's like playing regicide against himself or someone, and and there's like a little excerpt where he's talking about him playing regicide, and you know. Well, he's been trying to talk to Horus, yeah. isn't he? And again, you, you barely see Horus in, in this book. He's, he's just been back. I know he's sort of like losing his mind a bit. Um, but, you know, seeing what might be happening up in orbit would be interesting. Or then you've got the rest of Terror as well. And like things like those Alpha Legion operatives you're talking about, um, what they're up to. I mean, it's it's not just the palace, is it? You've got so many hive cities all over the place. Now that the yeah, Emperor's definitely. children well, are sort of rampaging I mean, they've, they've got away. kind of... That could be a book in itself. Um, novellas that um, Graham McNeil's written. Um, one's called Shattered Legions, um, which is oh, Sons of Selenar, which is about the Shattered Legions um, doing some stuff. And then there's another one called Fury of Magnus, which is, I guess, about Magnus coming to terror. Yeah. Um, so there's that kind of stuff as well, which I imagine that play some of this could could play out in. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's just really exciting. I'm really enjoying the books. I I, I was a bit. Oh. I felt a bit overwhelmed after that reading through the heresy. There were so many books and I was starting to get a bit of fatigue and there were a few I missed out just because I was, I felt overwhelmed, but I really like the fact that this is, this series feels very focused, very purposeful. They've obviously all come together and it's a big undertaking and they're taking, you know, they're giving it all the love and attention it, it deserves. And it feels almost, it feels a bit more like the Avengers films and in regards to Marvel really like trying to deliver 
everything in the right way rather than it just being kind of like a throwing together of of stuff and and of cool stuff i like I, i'm yeah, very definitely. much appreciating it so if anyone from black lively ever listens to this thank you very much it's, so far i've been i've just absolutely been loving the books yeah yeah exactly um yeah thanks for not doing dc but doing marvel Absolutely. I think, I think it could have been like, it could have been a real, really real challenging and tried to do too many books and, or try to fit them into too few books. And I think that they're getting it right so far. I've just absolutely, you know, I've absolutely enjoyed every single book and think they're wicked. Yeah. It's just, it's just wall to wall. Excellent reading. Like, these are by far like my favorite yeah. books and i would i would say that the whole series maybe the obviously the opening trilogy was like stunning um but yeah so did, uh, i mean as a book you know, end to the series through, i think we've got four to I go don't think got I could three, have asked more. Uh, two two more writers that we haven't seen anything chris ray and aaron dembski bowden so two big hitters to come um yeah so it'll be interesting to see you know what happens that we have had no announcement at this awesome. stage so Very awesome. I, I i say there's four books because there's flat four blank books at the moment on the on the website um we've got four that have been colored in with with, with book covers so hopefully we'll get some some announcements soon on what the next one is because i can't wait um yeah. and hopefully Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think in the well, meantime, I'm very we can keen do some, to get uh, this new Harry Lee book. Back um, to the future, but, um, as it were. Yeah, Sam. Is there any <laughs> books at the moment that you're you've got your eye on that you'd you'd quite like us to talk about? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 currently reading um the the second book in the Vaults of Terror series, um which is about Rasmus Call um on well on Terror, um which are very awesome because it's basically a detective story. Is that the one about the um, the uh, Hollow Mountain? Is that the, is the one about one, the um, Which is brilliant, and like that's it. Uh, that's Watchers of the Throne. Um, although, like, I have I've read the first one, um, and they also they also set in a very um, similar time yeah. frame, um, and you know it's all by the same author, um, Chris Wright. Um, and he like does such a fantastic job of like describing terror, like it is bloody horrible. Like it's it's interesting seeing the the siege of terror series and seeing how it went from like this golden, yeah, you know what the emperor had planned for it. Like he was even beginning to terraform it, terror back to what it was. Oceans are reforming and everything, and, and now basically it's just a giant shitty factory planet of of just like infinite suffering when you've got what quadrillions of people crammed into it um and all all you do is just work go to some horrible church service where a floating skull tells you what to do and then you, you just pray you don't get beaten up by you know the um the uh that ple- the arbites and all that oh cool um but yeah it's a, it's a great you- series and i've also just yes, started um the lords of silence um which is everyone's favorite Legion, yeah, Death Guard, um, and that is set very much now. Um, and that book already is fantastic. Um, it's, I think, within the first chapter, um, there's an explanation of a flatulent um, nurgling, which is great, and how how the sort of like the the Death Guard see them as like pets, 
like, you know, as you and I would have a cat. <laughs> they have a little um, chubby little nurgling, which they call little lords, which I thought was very sweet. Um, all they do is they just they just like do things like hide the remote that, that's why you then, collect like, Death Guard shot on everything that's right up it's great street. my kind of guys really <laughs> um, yeah nice okay that, well, I, that I, and like uh, I said the, on the my radar is the Avenging Sun I'm, I'm very keen to get into that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm reading yeah. um, the uh, I've forgotten Iron Snake's book oh yeah I've forgotten Definitely. what it's called Brother of the Snake I think um, I'm I'm yeah I'm over halfway through that and then um, finishing off the um, oh yeah very good Inquisition Wars as well which I will definitely have to get Ben on to talk about he is a big fan of that book um, so get him to chat about that but yeah cool okay well plenty more books to come as, as is yes. the, uh, the yes. way of Black Library there's always plenty of content for us to read um, uh, Sam now that lockdown is lifting I look forward to us having a gaming session soon um, mm-hmm. and yeah team thank you very much for listening please do reach out do if you can like share subscribe all that good stuff um we'd really appreciate it um and give us feedback we want to create something that people like listening to so if you did like us rambling on about books let us know what you think if you ha- could improve anything and, uh, and general thoughts but um thank you very much for listening everyone and we'll catch you on the next one Take care.